0: The one two swing and a miss, a slider that just disappears. It vaporizes, vanishes on Rizzo. He's got no chance. Seawald comes out of the bullpen, protects a one run lead. He carves through LeMayhew, Judge, and Rizzo.
1: Welcome back to Mariners Pod. Yeah, Paul Seawald has had a great three year run with the Mariners. Aaron Goldsmith and I have a long conversation with the Mariners closer. It's pretty wide-ranging. We touch on everything from the best bullpens to view the game from to his journey starting with the Mets to what's happening with the Mariners now. A really wide-ranging conversation I think you'll enjoy. Here is me and Aaron with Paul Sewald.
0: Paul, it's great to be with you. It seems like you've been with the Mariners forever, but it's really just your third year with the Mariners. How has this year been different than the other two, if at all? Yeah, you
2: know, it's uh, you know, the first year was almost you know, a dream. And I almost didn't realize what was going on. And second year was this motivation to prove that it wasn't a fluke. Um, then after two years, you know, I feel like the league has realized this is who I am. And this this third one has been a little different where, you know, I've just been kind of going about my business and my business has changed from what it used to be. And, you know, I'm a much better pitcher than I used to be. And this is, this is who I am. And I'm just going about my business and doing whatever I can to help the team. And um, I don't need outside factors anymore. They're more inside factors of motivation. And um you know that's a little different and and it's it's been nice I don't need to worry about you know showing anybody anything I just need to go and do my job
0: you are we know you're a two-pitch guy a fastball and a slider do you feel like you are better with those two pitches now than even last year or when you really broke in with the Mariners two years ago
2: yeah I think um I think I've been really good this year I feel like um it's not nearly as flashy as some other people but I you know I limit damage and and I throw strikes and and um You know the two pitches is all I need, and I'm just going about going about throwing those as often as I can, and uh, keeping guys off balance. And I feel like I've done a really good job of that so far in the first half, and we still have a lot of baseball left. But you know, I feel like I got off to a really good start, and I'm excited for the second half.
1: It's interesting. We talked before the season started, and you pointed out the bullpen was really good last year. It was really good the year before, and it was with not entirely, but different people each year and it's kind of been the same thing this year in fact that's what you said we'll be good again this year and it's going to be with some different people along the way what has made this bullpen so consistent with some people moving in and out yeah i you know everyone kind of looked at
2: me like well no you have all the Bomberos back that's what it's going to be and that you know that was the goal obviously we wanted the same eight guys that's just not the way this game works and and you know if you're not getting better you're getting worse and people will pass you and um we have had a few, quite a few guys come in and be absolutely fantastic. We've had Gabe Spire and Justin Topa for almost the entire year. sauceto has been here almost the whole year. Adcock is a new ad, and he's been fantastic since he's gotten here. And um, you know, I think just we just have established this pitching culture here that when you come here, you're going to pitch at your best. Um, I do think that a lot of constants like our pitching staff, or, or our pitching, our pitching coaching staff, um, the direction that they give, the fact that all we do is talk about Oo strikes, one one strikes. Um, striking people out and not walking people we keep the same message so it doesn't matter who's in here the message is the same and I think that is really the constant that everybody needs when they come in they come in and like I'm just going to throw as many strikes as I can and we'll see what happens and and, you know I think over the course of the three years that I've been here it's shown that if I do what you know the coaching staff thinks that I can do. They're not asking for anything crazy. They're just asking for what they know you
1: can do. If you do that, you're going to be very successful here. You know, there's an interesting thread with some of the guys you just mentioned, yourself, including Adcock and Saucedo. And it seems like every guy out there has been through a lot to get here, whether it's Adcock through a lot of injuries and not pitching for a long time or you with everything you went through to get here. But it seems like that's a constant theme with the guys in the bullpen. Is that something that's that you guys talk about amongst yourself or recognize as part of the group? Yeah, you know, everyone wants Matt.
2: Everyone wants George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Matt Brash's path to the big leagues, but not everyone gets that path to the major leagues. And, you know, a lot of us have been through a lot, and that's usually the life of a reliever. As a reliever, you're going to get sent down. You're going to get called back up. You're going to go back and forth for the most part. You know, no one really comes into this league and then stays in the bullpen for six years. That just doesn't really happen. That's When you have options, the team's going to use them no matter what. That's just part of the deal. And I just think... We've all been through a lot, so I think, you know, people who are going through things can talk to, I feel like I've been through just about as much as any reliever can, can't go through, and, you know, I've been through anything, come talk to me about what you're feeling about, uh, you know, I don't like my role, or I'm not pitching when I really want to, or, you know, I pitch really well, why did they send me down, and I have answers to all of those questions, they're not the answers you might like, they're usually, as, that's just the way it is, but um, I've been through it all, and I feel like a lot of our guys have been through it all, and it. There's just this sympathy that it's like I, I know what that feels like I know what that feels like and I think that really bonds us together.
0: Paul Sewald is our guest. You bring up something that I is kind of in line with something I wanted to ask you about. We talk about leaders in a clubhouse. Is there such thing of as a leader in the bullpen? Like, does every good bullpen have a leader?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean I I don't like I don't like to declare myself a leader i just i guess maybe i'm the oldest one i've been through the most so i guess i have more answers and more insight than but you also have to feel have.
0: comfortable sharing that not every guy does but it sounds yeah. like you clearly do no
2: i had I, jerry blevins was my role model and my mentor when i got to the big leagues he was my catch partner he had been through you know eight years of major league service time he knew a thing or two he got optioned a couple times at the start and and then he you know then he really hung on to this league and was fantastic for a long time and he had a lot of Answers to questions that I had, and, and I am forever thankful for everything he gave me. And I try to do the best that I can for people, you know, that are younger and have questions for me. And so um, I just feel like I'm giving back what Jerry gave me, and Jerry got that from somebody, and and I feel like that's that's part of the baseball culture is um, when you've been through it, you're gonna you're gonna help people who are going through it for the first time.
0: Will Jerry also help you when you break into
2: television when you've retired? <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah I don't know about that I don't know about that um, I've got I, the face I, for radio I know, so I don't I, know about TV I, people uh, need to we'll know I I just ambushed
0: Paul are with you that recruiting Is right that what's I happening? mean you know it's never too early you know it's like you never just look around. Plan
2: A is going really well I'll worry about Plan I TV. know and that's yeah. you know, it's, it's always B time that's yeah. always a dicey
0: thing to talk to current <laughs> players especially those who are uh, performing very well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we'll hold that for another day. Yeah yes when you look at the bullpen right now for the Mariners what is it besides really good relievers that has made the bullpen so good now for so many years what is it beneath the hood that people at home don't quite recognize
2: it's hard to explain like I said with different people coming in and out and the same success going on what is the, what is the there's clearly what something. is the magic answer yeah. to that question I think I just go back to I go back to from Joel Furman down of just our analytics team and our coaching staff being on the same same program and the same plan and being very concise but detailed in in what everyone needs to do to be the best version of themselves and then hammering that as much as they possibly can. Aaron, you need to do this, 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 you will be better. Gary, you need to do this, 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 and you will be better. And now we have enough of a track record of that success working that people like Justin Topa, Gabe Spiler, Taylor Saucedo, coming from different organizations that have not had as much success as they would like to have almost have to go into it. Like it's worked for another, it's worked for a number of people. It turned Paul Sewell from a four a pitcher out of baseball to one of the best relievers in baseball. I guess I'll give it a try. And they're going in with confidence that this is going to make me better. And then they have the confidence going into the game. A lot of the time as a reliever, you just lose confidence of like got sent down, I'm coming back. They don't really want me here. I'm just, Number eight on the list, and I guess I'm here for a couple weeks, and I'm not. It's very hard to pitch in. It's very hard to play in this league when you have no confidence. This game already kills your confidence as it is. You have to go out there with some confidence. If you don't go out there with confidence, you're, you're just not going to perform the way you want to. So I just think this organization's done a really good job of hammering confidence in the players that they have. If you do this, you will be the best version of yourself. And then guys go out there and do it and, and seem to have success.
1: You're the perfect guy to ask this next question. We see you go back-to-back all the time. We see you go back-to-back-to-back sometimes. What does it feel like physically on that third day when you're pitching back-to-back-to-back? What yeah. are the challenges, though?
2: Yeah, I mean, it just de- it depends. So there's days that I can't do it. There's days that guys can't do it. There's days that you can, mm-hmm. and that's part of the communication of, hey, I am, I'm available to go today, or hey, I, I don't have anything to, to give to the team. Me at thirty percent, I'd much rather have any of the guys down in the bullpen. That's why we have mm. a good bullpen, is that you don't have to overthrow guys. So, um it just you know, it, it just depends on how your recovery goes. It's just as different. If we have a flight, if we you know, if you're at home, if it goes from a day game to a night game, it just there's a lot of factors and it just depends on how your body can recover and the key is to just recover as quickly as possible and, and especially as I get older and the more I've thrown, that's the most important thing in baseball for me is just to how can I recover as quickly as possible. So uh sometimes you have enough to give bullets and mm-hmm. sometimes you don't and you just see how it goes and you hope if you say yes that you are ready to go <laughs> that is obviously the most important thing <laughs> um but yeah it, you know you just tell them like hey I I can't go where I can't go and you know you just try to give everything you can for the team when you can
1: what's the most important for you in your
2: recovery just drinking water just drinking water how quickly can I flush everything bad that happened that day out of my body mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a lot to throw a baseball as hard as you can as many times as you can it's it's hard on your body. The most important thing is to flush that out, and you know how quickly can I get back to 100% with you know the recovery stuff that we have in our high performance group and our mm-hmm. training staff and supplements and drinking water and and um, you know that's the most important thing. So that's the key is just drinking as much water as I possibly can to flush my body out and feel like it's brand new. Okay, like, what, what are we talking about?
0: We got a Home Depot bucket. I mean, <laughs> how, how much how much water? <laughs> Are you going through? Because it's more than just a bottle of water, it sounds like. You know, I read Tom Brady's
2: book, and he had, he had half your body weight in ounces of water. So take your pound, pounds body weight, divide that by two. That's how many ounces of water you should have every day no matter what, even if you're not physical. Now if you're physical, try it. I try to get almost to doubling that.
0: So, so your body weight? Essentially my ounces. body weight in
2: ounces of water in a day to try and flush myself. ooh
0: this will sound very mundane for you, but it would be very interesting for everyone else. Uh, to dovetail on Gary's question about you coming to the ballpark, let's say, for a potentially a third straight day, mm-hmm. there clearly is a process that you go through to decipher whether or not you are good or you are not. Can yeah. you walk us through what that is? Whew. We don't have enough time for everything, but I will give you I will give you the Cliff Notes version, obviously.
2: Um, I try to do everything exactly the same every single day. That is so boring and you said so mundane. Everything about this game is like process oriented and having a routine is what I have found is the most important thing you can do in this game. To be here one day and there another is very inconsistent and we need as much consistency as we can as we fly from San Francisco to Houston and get in at 5 o'clock. How can I prepare for the game? So for me, it it is from the time I get here, I do the same routine. I get in the hot tub, then I go to the weight room and I do the same activation I do every single day. And then i go to the training room and i do the same that's for like lower body and like total body and then i go to the training room and i do the same arm exercises to make sure that i do everything exactly the same so when i go out to catch i feel exactly how i'm supposed to feel every day that's how that's how i know whether i can go whether i can't go whether i have two innings of bullets whether i have no innings of bullets for me that's what i felt that's what i found in my seven years is that if i do this 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 every single day I either know I can go or I can't go. If I'm inconsistent with my work, how do I know whether I can go because I did this or how can mm-hmm. I not go because I didn't do that? If I do everything exactly the same, I either have enough bullets to throw or I don't. And I feel like that gives me, that gives me the gives You have credit. a constant. Constant. Everything constant. Consistency is all we're looking for. Um, so I can go to the coaching staff and say, I did everything I normally do. I cannot go today. Or I did everything I normally
0: do. And I feel good enough to pitch today. Does it become easier to tell your manager, I can't go, Yes. the older you get? Yes. Obviously, Scott
2: and I have worked through enough that I have, I have enough respect that I can go to him and tell him when I can't go, mm. um, which is something that, you know, when you're younger, you, you don't feel like you can. You need the coach to say, hey, I'm going to give you the day, which is they don't do that as often as I would like them to do. But they want to make sure that it's on us whether we can or can't. And they want their best bullets out there. That's We all want our best relievers ready all the time. And if you don't tell them you can't go, they want to use you because the whole point is to win the game. So <laughs> the better relievers you use, the more chance we have to win the games. Now, I feel like I've put enough equity into this team that when I tell Scott I can't go, he knows that I, I cannot go. I cannot help the team. And that's, that's all you want to do. You just want that trust that, like, hey – I've given you everything I can give. I give you three days in a row. I give you, you know, six out of nine, seven out of nine. If I say I can't go, I can't go. And they, they, they believe that at
1: this point now. Can you describe the feeling when the bullpen gates open, you're running onto the field, it's a one-run game, it's the ninth, the crowd's going wild. What are your feelings as you're running onto the field?
2: You know, you try to, try to block that stuff out mm. and just worry about, worry about pitching. It's obviously more fun to pitch at home when I have, you know, the light show and jump around and, you know, when they announce my name and, you know, 40,000 people go crazy, that obviously feels a lot better than when you come out on the road stadium and no one cares that it's you and they have, <laughs> they have their highlight video of all their walk-offs for the last 10 years. And, um, so, you know, i much rather prefer to pitch at T-Mobile Park where we have great fans. But, um, no, I think you just try to focus, whether it's a one-run game, whether it's a 10-run game, on going out there and, throwing strikes competing and you know walking off with no runs is pretty much all I'm trying to worry about and then once the game's over let out that excitement and and, and there's obviously a huge adrenaline rush of pitching in that sort of situation and um, sometimes I you know it gets the best of me out there after the games but for the most part I just try and try to worry about making my pitches and getting out of there um, as quickly as I can
1: why jump around
2: I really love it I think it's okay. a, I think it's a song that everybody can get into mm-hmm. I a walkout is, you know, for me, and obviously I think it's a great song it pumps me up, but it helps when the crowd is literally <laughs> jumping around. It's kind of, it kind of gets people going.
0: Since you brought up uh, your screaming and yelling, when you first broke onto the Mariners' scene and became Paul Seawalt, and some of those early saves that you had, or not even saves, but a critical 7th or 8th inning, right, and you get a big punch out to a big bat, and you do the almost like the Hulk impression, I got home from the ballpark one night, and my dear wife said... Who is that reliever <laughs> making those scary faces? <laughs> I said, Oh, it's Paul Seawold, he's a great guy. Well, <laughs> oh, he doesn't look like it. <laughs> I'm curious, what does your wife think about the uh the Hulk impression that you do after big strikeout sometimes? I mean, she likes zeros just as much as anybody does. <laughs> so um she's yes. good with it.
2: She uh she like you has seen maybe the other side yes. of me rather that's not just screaming as much as i can <laughs> i don't scream at home for everybody listening i swear I, I feel like uh after i get a strikeout is pretty much the only time i show any emotion about anything really i i feel like i am uh i'm pretty even keel for the most part other than uh in those moments so uh no i just the adrenaline's running and i've been lucky enough to pitch in really big situations it's it's tough when you're you know down 16 to 4 to you know really get motivated after after a strikeout after an inning Um, and I'm just very competitive. Everyone in here is, and that's my competitive competitiveness comes out sometimes. And, um, you get to strike out and the crowd goes crazy. It's, it's, it's exciting. That's, you know, I'm not going to, not going to hide from that. It is very exciting, you know, especially at home to pitch and get the last strikeout and have the crowd go crazy. It's, it's, it's electric.
0: You are one of a few guys in the game right now. Every team probably has one man. You've been at the bottom. You've been at the top. Yeah. Like you have covered the full spectrum. When you were at the bottom with the Mets, did you know you could get to the top? Um, no.
2: I you know, I never even thought that I could be this good. I I thought I could be better than I was there, but I never even never even like to think that I got snubbed of an all star game is like wild for me to even like comprehend that I ever got to that level and that you could say that for the last 3 years like it's this isn't a one time thing it just is like i never expected that i could possibly get to this point when in 2019 i was pitching in triple a after dfa8 or 2020 getting sent to the like i just wanted to get back to the big leagues to to give it another shot not like being it,
0: being an everyday member of a big league bullpen was probably yeah i mean i just
2: r- wanted to be an average relief pitcher it was like because <laughs> yes. I thought that I thought I could do that I felt that I could do that I, I pitched well enough my rookie year that I was like I know I can pitch in this league I just have to figure out how to pitch better so that I can just be a guy that pitches sometimes in winning games sometimes in losing games sometimes in blowouts every once in a while in a close game and I, I never even dreamed
0: of something like this so for it to go from that to I mean almost overnight and it wasn't but from the time that you showed up at T-Mobile Park to the time where you were pitching massive leverage innings it was very quick.
2: Yeah. We had people go down with COVID. We had people who were in those roles that kinda struggled a little bit and the chips felt the way they're supposed to. And like I said, it, it's kind of been a movie and you couldn't write couldn't have written a script like that. You just don't go from being at the alt site pitching in triple A to You were a, in a game in, in a month. And it, it just it just happened that way and um i'm thankful that they gave me those opportunities and i made the most of them which is the most important Mm -hmm. part and um then at that point they they just left me out there was there a time
0: when you realized like i'm paul seawall i'm a guy i'm a really important guy to this team
2: yeah i you know i kind of like i said in 2021 i just was like in disbelief and just didn't really know what was going on and um my wife was pregnant, and that was kind of like any time I could have thought about baseball, I just wasn't really thinking about that because I didn't have time to, and kind of like not until after the year did I just take a second and be like, I can't believe that just happened. And then, um, you know, last year I still felt like I still have to prove that that was not a fluke. Like this was not a four-month thing. Like I've changed who I am, and I'm one of the best pitchers in this league, and getting the playoffs, and then after, after the playoffs kind of looking back and being like, I can't believe – I close 20 games in the major leagues like that is just wild to think about. And, you know, you just try to think about, you know, on a day-to-day basis, like I said, I just try to worry about my routine. I try to worry about my process. I try not to worry about those things as much. You know, obviously they creep in your head, but, like, I just want to look back, you know, in November and, and say, wow, what, like, I can't believe I did it for
1: a third year in a row. That's kind of what I'm going for. Speaking of routine, every day before the game, I see you outside the dugout. And as the starting pitcher comes in, it looks like you greet them and it seems like you have a different handshake for every single guy. Is it does it is it really that way? Do you have I, it? You know I have. I have we have some new guys
2: now and I don't really have the new handshakes with okay. Bryce and 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 uh with Brian yet. So I kind of need to work a little bit on figuring out what I'm going to do with those guys. Um for those that were here in 2021, Steck and I used to do we used to, th- during our throwing routine, we would impersonate the starter that would pitch for that day. <laughs> um, and that kinda, that's kind of where it came from, that we would you know, we would joke around and say, like, who's pitching today? And I would, if Marco was pitching, we'd do Marco's in- impersonation and stuff like that. So it kind of came like that. And then you spend enough time with these guys, you come up with some handshakes. But now we have some new guys, and i gotta work on, I got to work on getting some new handshakes.
0: You've mentioned a number of times how important it has been for you, clearly, to build on each year and prove something each year. We talk all the time about hitters having to adjust to the league. Like Julio, for example, this year, year two. Have you found you having to adjust to hitters? Like um, is the Paul Seawald book yeah. out now, and now you're having to do anything minutely different that maybe we can't pick up on?
2: It's um, a good question. Maybe a couple of hitters, but not the league, and that's part of – you know, that's part of going from the National League to the American League and not seeing guys as much, um, you know, and there's been roster turnover in this division enough that, you know, you're not facing the same guys over and over and over again as much as as um, as as much as Scott can, can make sure that I don't face those same guys. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And kind of like until I really feel like the league has my number, I'm going to stick to doing what I feel like has been successful. And um, I can always be better at the two things that I do. I can throw better sliders and I can throw better fastballs at the top. That's what I need to do more than anything. Well, I'm not trying to adjust. I'm just trying to get better at what I do more than anything. So, um, yeah, you know, and that's the difference between being a pitcher and a hitter. So as a hitter, you're reacting to what the pitcher is throwing you. I am proactively throwing whatever I want to throw. Um, and for me, it's it's about being better at throwing fastballs at the top and better at throwing the sliders
1: in the location that I'm looking for. During ball games, we spend a lot of time just looking into the bullpen, seeing if, Guys are warming up or whatnot, and we're, we're recording this in Houston. And as we look out there, uh, it looks like you're zoo animals to us. You're behind yeah. the worst. Uh, you're behind bars. Yeah, this yeah, was going to you know. be my yes. question. I want to know the best and the worst. That's bullpen. the worst, okay, for
2: sure. That's okay. the worst, no doubt about it. And explain why. Uh, I mean, yeah, you were just a caged animal. <laughs> we don't feel like we're part of the game, like at all. It's so dirty back there. They haven't cleaned that since they built this place.
0: And I hear there's not a there's no longer a monitor back there to watch the game. Is that
2: correct? No, you cannot watch the game from back there. So you have to just watch through the, uh, through the little fence, chain-link fence. And then they always, on every bullpen, they build like a huge pole right at, you know, right about six foot two. So you can't see anything in any bullpen. No one actually goes out there that's pitcher size, apparently. So, <laughs> um, that's every bullpen, though. That's not just here. But, they you know, that's a really bad one. Best one, best one. Oh, man. I mean, we love, we love T-Mobile Park. It's really nice. The fans are very. I wouldn't want to go there as a visiting player with the fans right there and, and harassing you. But luckily, they're you know they're pretty nice to us. Um, best road one. Best road one. I mean, Texas is pretty nice. They have like a nice little like ACed room in there where you can watch a game from the high home. Or actually, now they have now they have the delay. Obviously, we have huh. to be make sure that we're so far delayed that we can't give any signs. But you can w- sit on the couches and watch a game like that. And they have. That's probably the best one I would say.
0: Blue Jays have a new bullpen this year.
2: Blue Jays impro- improved their pen a lot. Okay. It's really nice. It's uh where you throw, you're right there right there in the stands, so they were uh they weren't too excited to see us after what we did to them <laughs> last year, but that's uh that's a very much new and improved pen as well.
0: Is there any charm to the A's bullpen at the Coliseum?
2: I mean, it's nice to go back and forth. You know, it's pretty easy just to like uh, I enjoy especially with the new clock having you know 12 steps to get to the fence so <laughs> that that's not too bad i could go i could go for that a lot that's that's I mean, not
0: too bad at all i mean the fans are right there they're right on the yeah a couple of fans yes are right i mean there. like anything they say everyone can hear yeah. is there do they just keep it no, themselves they're, mostly they're or? totally fine
2: i think the only person that doesn't like it is scott because we you know there's no bowl there's no bathroom down there so we just like kind of continuously <laughs> go back and forth and like i said i, I like to drink water um, and then I get pretty nervous from like the fourth inning on if I'm going to pitch. So, <laughs> uh, and just about anybody will just keep running back and forth, and I get a comment, at, and I probably go every half inning or, or an inning, and he just is like, "What are you doing?" So I think he <laughs> I think he dislikes it more than
1: we dislike it. What if San Francisco still existed where you hung out in the dugout? What would that What would you that know, situation was, be I, you like? You know,
2: I tried to explain to people that that the last time I was in San Francisco, that's how it used to be, and it was I enjoyed three times a year or three games a year. Being in the dugout with the guys uh-huh. and kind of, you know, messing around, feeling like you're part of the team. Because sometimes you don't really feel like you're part of the team when you're, you know, 500 feet away <laughs> and uh, you're not really a part of it. And, you know, they hardly acknowledge us when they hit homers, obviously. So, you know, it's it kind of hurts our feelings. So it's nice mm-hmm. to be in the dugout. But it was it was kind of tough when it was like, see what well, you got to go do ready And you would jog down there as fast as you can. And then you were throwing literally in the stands. So they were – uh they had research on everybody. Yeah, that was a that was a tough
1: situation to throw at. Who do you feel like acknowledges you the best on home runs? Who do you um, appreciate the most? So Gino's been the best the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. He gives us goggles
2: like he sees us. tao has been really good this year at making sure that he does it after we after we call them out. But those two. What, is, are, what does Teo give you? He always. He, just, I that's mean, it doesn't you? have to be anything crazy. Literally, just acknowledge that we're on the team. <laughs> that's all we're looking for. And and now we wh- just want somebody to know that the bullpen pitchers are actually watching and we're always cheering, always cheering. We always get excited and we do our high fives and then no one knows that we're out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think some people might hear this and find it odd that you feel like something that you had nothing to do with. Paul. <laughs> Did I anybody mean, in the dugout have anything to do with the homer? <laughs> but Everyone in the but dugout gets a high five. Well, that's actually I mean, a good that's point. just based on proximity. <laughs> I mean, if you and were there, they would high-five you. I'm five not even you.
2: asking for a high-five. I'm literally just acknowledging for a point. That's all we're asking for.
0: It doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot. It seems like there's a real some real jerks on
2: this team. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, you know, they're focused on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> on, they care about their homer more yeah. than they care <laughs> about us. All right.
0: I understand that this next question might require some form of filter, but I think you're up for the task. I would like to know the most zany, off-the-wall, oddball conversation that you have either taken part in or overheard in the bullpen this season. Every single thing that Taylor Sacedo has to say <laughs> falls under
2: that. I mean, this is real. Scott this talked about this, but this, this is, is real. unbelievable. <laughs> Literally now, now, every single day, I come to the park and I say, what happened to you today? Like, things happened to him that shouldn't... Like, they just shouldn't happen, but they happened to him. And so now, at this point, now everyone... Everyone on the bus today, every like, what happened to you today? Like, what story do you have to tell us today?
0: Do you feel comfortable sharing one? I, you know,
2: we don't have a long enough time to give everything that he of said course. in the story, but they went to they went to one of the playoff cracking games. A bunch of the guys, you know, not Golden Knights fans, <laughs> went, to <the> crack- <laughs> went to the cracking game and. You know, at the time he was still had his place in Tacoma, and he's like, "I'm not going to go back to Tacoma. When I was here, I'm just going to get a hotel in Seattle, and then that way I can go back and forth from the game, the whole se- whatever." So he's going to get—he just needs a quick ride home to a hotel in—in in downtown from Seattle. From Climate Pledge. From Climate Pledge to wherever he's supposed to get to. Gabe Gabe was going to take him in the car, and he's like, "You know what? I, my Uber will be here in a second. Like, I'll just get an Uber. No big deal." He calls an Uber. The Uber's like a thousand feet away, and his phone dies. <laughs> Saucedo's. Sauce's phone dies. Phone dies. <laughs> so then he's like, oh, it's gotta be closed. I'll just walk to the hotel. And he gets lost for hours. And like In his own city. In the city he's from. <laughs> <laughs> he got lost. And like he His story is like, I wasn't sure if I was going to die, like all this stuff. And like he spent hours and finally he, you know, he said he used the North Star to figure out exactly where he was supposed to be walking and finally found the lights of the city and like came back. And like he eventually made it to his hotel, but he was literally like a half of a mile (laughs) from where he needed to be. And he got lost in his own city. The North the Star. The North Star. <laughs> I mean, see, <laughs> the, the, the last mariner.
1: <laughs> I
2: came into the story halfway through when he was talking about the North Star, and I was like, "Oh, you, like you went hiking one time?" and He's like, "No, this is last night." <laughs> and I was like, Wait, wh- what? So good. Just and it's like it, everything. It's like that once a week, and you're like, "How? How did that happen to you? Like, and only to him? These things just..." We just need a constant tape recorder of what's going on in his life. So, so
0: his value to this team is extends far more than just what he does on the mound. He's been
2: fantastic on the mountain, But we really do appreciate <laughs> Sasedo's story
0: time every single day. That's, that's pretty great. Uh, yeah, Scott has made a number of references to Saucedo and the uh, quirky nature. He,
2: he didn't feel like he could really talk a lot in Toronto. He didn't feel comfortable being who he is. And, you know, he came to a new team, and he didn't really share – who he was in spring training. And it's really difficult when there's 150 people in there. And when you're trying to make the team as a as one of the 25 or 26 man on the roster in spring training, it's a very stressful time. I've been there, and um, you're not really – you're most comfortable. You're really stressing a lot. And so I just – he just didn't really, like, open up. And so, like, I don't think we said more than a couple dozen words in spring training, and I like to talk. So then I was kind of surprised that he talked at all, like, when he got here, and he kind of has opened up, and it's been great.
0: That seems to be a real theme for this ball club for years at this point, and that is guys feeling like they can be themselves. Yeah. Where within this organization does that come from?
2: I think the coaching staff, it's big on the coaching staff. They, you know, In their minor leagues, they have do, be you in line with us, I think is what they call it. Be individual, but on our situation of, you know, if you're a pitcher, we're going to dominate the zone by throwing 00s and one However you want to do it, go ahead and do it, but this is what you have to do. Um, and then just here, I think just like our culture is not – you know, the 90s and the 80s where, you know, the veterans are going to tell, you know, the young guys, you're not allowed to do this or you're not allowed to do that or don't talk. It's just this is 2023. We're all trying to get to the same place. We're trying to get to the World Series. And um, I don't really care if you have five days of service time or 12 years of service time. If you can help us by all means, you know, AJ Pollock and Ty Adcock are the same guy. If you can help the team, then that's the most important thing. And um, I feel like that's going on around here. And that's, you know, I think that's probably part of that.
0: Paul, this is everything we were hoping it would be. Uh, we love talking baseball with you. We love talking shenanigans with you as well. Uh, thank you so much for carving out so much I time. I don't know
2: about TV after I'm done, but I, maybe I can come up to the booth once or twice. How about that? Yes. Hey,
0: it, as, as long as I get you in. Okay. And then it'll, it'll, start, to, <laughs> yeah. it'll start to snowball. Oh, all right. That's yeah. fantastic. Paul, thank you, man. Awesome, guys.